0: up and welcome to listening to Sneak Up on the Pedestrian Podcast Network. Proudly brought to you by Push Shoes. Sneak Up will keep you in the know across things like music, art, dance and all around culture. There's little thoughts that sneak up in your brain, we're going to chat about them. My name is Jack, your host and avatar for all these epic conversations that we're set to have together. On today's episode, at the close of the summer festival season, we're speaking with organisers of two of the country's most respected music festivals, Secret Garden Festival and Untitled Group who are responsible for events like Pitch Music and Arts Festival and Beyond the Valley. If you listened to our last episode, you'll know that festivals are in a tricky place in New South Wales, and that's impacted the rest of the country as well. With no sign of people's love for them slowing down, and more and more people looking to get into the industry, what better time to sit down and reflect on everything that's going on in the scene? To kick things off, we've got our music editor, Courtney Fry in the studio to chat through who Secret Garden are. Courtney, the floor is yours. How are you doing? Real good. It's lovely to be back. Oh yeah, always good to have you here.
1: Ah. Oh. So, we're talking about festivals this this week
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, um, you know, we've got uh, the guys from Secret Garden Festival and the guys from Untitled Group who mm-hmm. run uh, things like Pitch Festival and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Secret Garden Festival because it's kind of become this institution over the last 11 years Um, And this year had its last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, its whole mantra was about like four mates by mates. So it was a very um, small capacity. So 5,000 tops Uh, was um, kind of the epitome, I guess, of a boutique line, a boutique festival. Uh, It was over in um, Brownlow Hill which is about an hour and a half out of Sydney uh, on like a dairy farm that was just like a family farm. And they would open it up once a year to this really weird forest festival (laughs) that was all about kind of um, art and just kind of really letting go and being as creative as you can and perfectly curated lineups. uh, Themed days, costumes were like if not encouraged, but definitely required. Mm. Um, and people really leaned into it and it was just fun. And it just seemed like it was like the perfect escape away from kind of any kind of pretentiousness. And it was just purely about going in and exploring creativity, like I said. Mm. Secret Garden Festival was also unique in that it wouldn't announce the lineup until it sold out.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: Which is interesting with like the way that that curates not only the festival but also the patrons because you're getting people that are there for the experience and for you know the getaway and and all that kind of stuff and not going just for the music yeah so like you would buy a ticket but because you didn't know who was on the lineup you were like well it's, it's just going to be like a weekend long party yeah um so i found that really interesting and it was yeah it kind of helped to really curate like i say curate the the groups of people and the kind of people that were going as mm. well.
0: Cool. Sounds like a really special experience.
1: Yeah. I'm really jealous of everyone that got to go to work.
0: Mm. It's I got fine. To go.
1: Oh, whatever, Jack. <laughs>
0: and now I have the very great privilege of being able to talk to the mind, body, and soul of Secret Garden Festival. We have Claire Downs. Claire, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. That's all right. What an
0: honor. (laughs) (laughs) So I think um, something that everyone always wonders when they come to festivals, at least I did when I came to my first festival, is, you know, you're shocked. Like, how did all this manage to come together? Um, Can you give us a bit of a background on how Secret Garden came to be?
2: So I was uh, 22 and uh, office manager, which is basically a glorified coffee runner right. for a music management company where I met Matt Emsel and he came downstairs one day and was like, hey, I had an idea. What do you reckon about starting a festival together? And I was like, yes, I would love that. And I got the perfect farm for it. And mm. he was like, let's do it. And um, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, we – I'd n- never run an event before, um, but obviously hugely passionate about festivals, live music, um, parties. Yeah. And so we gathered all our creative friends um, and our uh, anybody with – a vague skill, like one of my friends' is, um, work experience kid at Big Day Out. So, she was like, of course, head of operations, you know, it was that yeah, kind yeah. of, sh- Any, kind of yeah. <laughs> Any kind of experience. Any kind of experience. And we cobbled together the first Secret Garden.
0: Cool. What was, um, what was the moment that sort of made you realise that doing Secret Garden year on year was something that was going to happen for you? Like, did, did, was it ever a conscious thought or was it just, oh, this is obviously going to happen for a long time?
2: Yeah, I think it was obvious it was going to yeah. happen. Like, I, it's, you know, it's, um, obviously it's it's done and it's extremely sad. Um, it became a um, part of my identity and, and, uh, and a limb like it was really a limb and so from day dot as soon as we were organizing it I finally not that I was extremely lost but I definitely found my place in the world and it was just the greatest labor of love like I was just so in love with that festival still am and all my friends that worked on it deep you know just a deep love of that that festival and what what that did for, you know, the residual things off it, the friendships and um, everything. So yeah, there there was no question that it was ever gonna, um, it was uh, you know it was ever gonna slow down. Um, but of obviously it has now, and it came to a very natural close. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Can we talk about that for a second? I mean, I know mm-hmm. you guys released a statement when it ended, but can you give us another rundown on why you decided to finish it up?
2: so I'm uh, 33 now um, and we were at it for 11 years and every year was really different from a from a um, creative and management point of view like we always um, had these big th- problems to solve after each year and I I got really excited about fixing those problems and making it the best we ever could make it. And I think over the past three years, it was like three years ago we absolutely nailed it and it was just a, you know, from a management point of view, creative point of view, punter point of view, it just was awesome. And then the following year, same again. And then this year was the same again. Like it was as good as it was going to be mm. and um, and so the – the obviously for me personally the challenge it sort of um, of of having these big problems to solve had gone, mm. um, we creatively um, had peaked, and I just didn't know where else to take it, mm. um, and all my friends that. Um, all my friends work on it. We are all – 150 of us are all really good mates and we um, – we, it, you know, all of them have been on the team for some of them for the entire time, most of them five to seven years. So with, with us, you know, sort of peaking out, um, the challenge sort of gone and me sort of being on a bit of a um, – you know, rolling it out again and again. And uh, the fear of the team, you know, getting to an age where they're like, sorry, you know, works too, whatever, yeah. um, it, it felt like the perfect time to go rather than flog the dead horse, perfect time to go, We've, we're at our peak and to, uh, like as we said in that statement, drop the mic and say 11 and out and just – you know, leave while the party's good. I really, you know, there's obviously a grim festival landscape out there uh, in Australia where um, festivals have fallen apart because of things out of their control. And uh, I didn't want to be part of that. And I also didn't want to be flogging it until, you know, um, the audience isn't there anymore. Mm it's a it's it's just a really powerful and um empowered move to go we did it we nailed it that was unreal 20s our 20s was well spent let's go out with a bang which we did it was by far my favorite year this year and um and leave on a high <laughs>
0: oh, that's so perfect i mean it's so so often that So many events, just flog it and no one's really enjoying it as much anymore. But that's something that everyone's going to remember so fondly. Yeah, I Uh, think
2: so. I hope so. Yeah,
0: Yeah. no, definitely. (laughs) Claire, I've been tons of times and I I remember it so fondly all the time. Yay. Uh, So um, that is something that you always set out to do. But it's become such a core of what Secret Garden was. How do you think that that sets you apart from a lot of other festivals?
2: Well... You can never punch a guy in a banana costume, <laughs> don't you think? Case in point. So that that was always our thing. Like whenever <laughs> we talked to anybody about worried about mass gathering or whatever, it was like you can never punch a guy in a banana costume, and so we never had a single fight at Secret Garden in the eleven years. It 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 changes. It, it changes behavior to being silly and fun and there, there isn't, um, in most cases, there's no sort of vanity or um, immediately it puts everybody on the back foot in a great way. Mm. Um,
0: I'd never thought of it like that. Like yeah. it just sort of like brings everyone down to the same level.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um and and it heroes the silly. And <laughs> rather than at potentially some other festivals where it's all about how good your body, your summer body looks. Mm. Um and that heroes the the vein mm. or the yeah, the vein and the ego, this secret garden heroes are silly, and so the more stupid you are, the more the crowd's gonna love you. Yeah, and and that's a wonderful thing because I'm all into the silly.
0: Oh, likewise, that's really <laughs> special. Um, so if you could describe Australia's music scene at the moment in one word, what would it be, and why?
2: Uh, I would describe Australia's music scene as determined. Why is that? Because. There have been a lot of roadblocks put up that the music industry has had to fight really hard against and it is continuing to fight. I mean, obviously, New South Wales in particular is fighting such a good fight and the passion hasn't gone. Um, it is so determined Um to to win and it will and I thought a lot faster than it has um obviously there's still a fight ahead but the, the the determination of um the punters as well as as well as the industry is um is is unrelenting it's it's, it's, it's going to fight it until it gets its way and I'm extremely proud of the, the people that I have worked with um, to, to make that happen and the ones that are leading the charge are just incredible, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very impressive. Mm. It's like a diamond under a lot of pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, I guess, following off the back of that, what does the future of Aussie music festivals look like to you?
2: There is nothing like some of the people, some of the promoters I've met in that they're seriously smart, like crazy smart. They're sensible, hardworking, intelligent and, of course, because they run these festivals powerful, that whilst I'm disappointed with what happened in the New South Wales election, I have no doubt that these people... uh, gonna make it right and get the industry to where it needs to be and you know um it's not like oh regulation's bad and let festivals do what they want I think it's a collaborative process but with in, in summary with the brains behind um festivals and them coming together and with the power of the media and the audience that follow and passionately want festivals to flourish in australia um i think there's no problem this is just all stumbling blocks
0: ah that's such a bright outlook made me feel so much better yay This is Shoutouts on Sneaker. A time to get our fingers on the pulse.
2: Whoa. Uh, okay, so I mm. reckon my shoutout mm-hmm. goes to the punters that are buying tickets, mm-hmm. going to festivals, going to gigs passionately loving what um is on offer here in Australia and to keep going and to keep on asking your mates to go with you um I've had some of the best times over the past four years at parties and festivals and at gigs um and despite the climate um being tricky uh it it hasn't actually stopped me from having fun. And I know I'm I'm always in rooms and in front of stages with thousands of others who agree with me. Mm. Um, so shout out to them and keep going.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> uh, I think that's something we can all relate to, definitely. My final question, Claire, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for someone who wanted to get into your line of work?
2: Uh, I think firstly... Um, Go and volunteer or intern at a festival um, in the lead-up and at the event um, and figure out if that's definitely, your, you you know, what you like. Um, and then uh, without delay, start running parties. Don't learn too much. Mm. I think the beauty of me getting into it um, was that I knew nothing and was already in it and passionately in love before I knew what a a major job it is. Mm. Um, So get started straight away, start hosting parties um, and also uh, plan conservatively, don't spend too much money. Um, Keep it small, keep the ticket allocation small, slowly grow an interest. And then, uh, and then, yeah, go big time.
0: <laughs> you make it sound so easy. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Claire. I really appreciate having you on.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. That's all right.
0: We're back with Courtney. And in this half of the show, we're talking to Tom Core, part of Victorian-based promoters and organisers Untitled Group. Can you give us a bit of a background on who they are and what they do, Courtney?
1: Um, so Untitled Group takes care of Beyond the Valley, um, Pitch Festival, like I said before, uh, Lost Picnic and Ability Festival um, and has also like done some pretty big tours like Running Touch. Like they've got Running Touch and Crooked Colors coming up and they've previously done Wu-Tang. So um, they, yeah, have quite a broad and very diverse, I guess, kind of roster. Mm-hmm. Um Because if you're looking at Pitch Festival, that's, like, a lot of, like, electronic music. But then you also have, like, Ability Festival, which is a lot of, like, band-based stuff and, like, rock music and all that kind of stuff. And indie music. But it's also, like, a fully accessible event that's put on by Dylan Alcott for his foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's now in its second year. So, I think when this goes live, it will have just had its second event. Yep. So, they also are kind of the proof that small boutique festivals can really work. Went done really well. Mm, yeah. Like as I can imagine smaller festivals would be. Oh, it's like, you know, if this one thing goes wrong, like just fucking call the thing off. So yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that Untitled Group do. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Courtney. Cool. Always a pleasure having you on the show. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and now, as mentioned, I've got one of the directors of Untitled Group with me in the studio. Tom, thank you so much for joining me here on the program. Um, So I guess for me personally, I think everyone always wonders, or at least I did at my first festival, like how did all this manage to happen? How did everyone happen to be here and how is this going on? Um, Obviously, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Could you give us a bit of a history on how you fell into this career?
3: Yeah, it's been six years. Well, this will be the sixth year of Beyond the Valley now coming up for this New Year's Eve. We just had our fifth anniversary year, which was really good. We sold out record time so yeah it was really nice but um, important thing to note is I didn't really happen to it on my own I entered into it with um, four of my now best mates and we came together firstly to run a club in the city called Anyway at the Old Palace Theatre mm-hmm. and so we got together to do that after like all individually running nightclubs at Roxanne Parlor, Cuba, Prince and we're all filling them out and then those nights kind of fell away and we came together to do this big super club in the city which is two and a half thousand people every week and Like a lot of the older industry people, like, oh, there's no way they would be able to do that. And, you know, these five young guys, luckily, we were able to prove them wrong and we filled it for just over a year straight. And then the Palisade got demolished and we moved anyway. Um, But during that time, we decided to take on the project Beyond the Valley. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that was our first. Festival really, so we went from you know running a weekly club night, two and a half thousand people, to deciding to, to do a ten thousand person festival, which is kind of a big leap. Yeah. Uh, the idea was really born from the gap that we saw in the market between having a festival sit somewhere between Falls and Strawberry, mm-hmm. and we're fortunate enough at the same time Pyramid Rock ceased trading, and we were able to take over their site for the first year. Um, although this wasn't really the best site for festivals, as was proven with Pyramid Rock, they had a lot of drama with uh, weather and all that kind of stuff, and we almost got blown out of there our first year, the winds just... Yeah, heard about that. Yeah, the winds literally just died down in time for the council to be like, oh no, it's safe to go ahead. It was very close at the start when people were starting to arrive. It was just hectic gusts and they're like, you know, it's got 15 minutes for these gusts to go down and then luckily enough, it all like calmed down. 15 minutes? Yeah, exactly. So, I was really cutting it fine. Um, Not really anyone knows that one, but yeah, it was all (laughs) safe and above board, which is good and safety is obviously paramount for us with what we're putting on. Yeah, for sure. You know, after that first event, it was financially terrible for all of us Mm. so we're all like pretty stressed after it but we got a lot of inboxes from friends family that came down to the event and just general punters just saying had the best new years ever like you know had the best experience blah 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 and i guess personally for me that's why i got into it to make those special moments for people so we all walked away knowing that like the next year it was gonna go well having Mm. all those really good reports but still doesn't take away from that stress of losing all that money that first year
0: yeah an investment hurts on the wallet no matter how it comes i suppose um i guess that was my next question as well. Like, I was going to ask what sort of experience you think is the most important in throwing a music festival. I guess you had plenty of that, but what aspect of it in particular did you find the most important?
3: Well, the funny thing is, like, none of us had, like, experience in putting on a festival like this. So, we kind of had to rely on our suppliers and contractors, the ones that had done, you know, festivals around Australia and um, put together a really good team that knew what they were doing and trust in them to bring our vision to life. So we came to them with the ideas and they'd be like, oh, you can't do this, you can do that. This is how we do this. And so, yeah, you've really got to rely on them and be able to trust them that they'll get you the best result and put together a really solid team that know what they're doing when it comes to putting on an event. And then I'd say uh, the most important thing is to be able to handle stress and be prepared to take some big losses. It definitely isn't for the (laughs) faint-hearted. And having five of us really makes a huge difference because it's like... That burden that would just be on one person if you're just that sole director of a company like this would be quite hectic. And I think, Mm. like, it'd be pretty hard to deal with. But between, like, the five of us, you know, having each other to lean on and um, hold each other up really makes a big difference. And I think it attributes to the big, big part of why we're successful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess so, you've got tons of experience over the years of, like, now throwing a heap of events just like this. Like, for people that are looking to do something like this, I'm sure that it's really daunting. But are you, still saying that there are still things that you're learning after that time or do you think you would be comfortable doing the majority of it yourself after yeah you know, definite, five years
3: definitely still learning but the thing is if you have your contractors that you really trust and you know that are going to get the good job done it gives us a lot more time to be able to do a lot more festivals that's mm. why like we have different like preferred suppliers that we trust and we know that they'll get the job done to the standard that we want done and then that gives us the breadth to go all right we can start another festival this one's running smoothly we'll still know exactly what's going on in that festival but instead of having us all totally tied up in that it allows us to work on the next festival and the next new concept by having that team in place that we trust and you know we've got like six full-time staff now and we're training them up to do more of our roles and to get across our vision and yeah just trust them
0: yeah i can imagine um what was the moment and I know this is this could be a bit of a tricky question but what was the moment that made you realize this was something that you wanted to do professionally
3: um you
0: can take as much time there as you want (laughs) that's
3: a good one it would have been that moment like after after the first year like when we had the idea to do beyond the valley it got me super excited because I'd always been going to falls and I'd always thought like this is fun but not quite for me like I'd love if there was a bit more late night dance music and a bit more this and a bit more that and then going through that first year of like going to all the meetings and learning through all the processes of everything and getting all the contractors together it was quite enjoyable and then actually being there at the festival experiencing it with um, my business partners who like I said now like four of my um, best mates and then also all my like best mates growing up with and getting to experience that with all them it's truly something special. And a lot of like friends of mine that I talk to, they're like, I'm so jealous of you because you get to see the final product of your work. They might work in like corporations and that, and they just don't get to see the end product of what their work does because they're just like a cog in the chain Mm. and they don't see that end result. And we're quite lucky, you know, like our whole year's work comes to this point where we get to see our vision and everything that we've worked on for this whole time. And so after that first year walking away and getting all those positive results and that Great feeling of giving everyone such a good experience was definitely the moment where I was like, "Yeah, this is definitely for me." <laughs> and so,
0: if you were putting on Beyond the Valley and you didn't even know that that was what you wanted to do, what mm. was your thinking like when you were putting it on? You were like, "What? What did you think was after that?"
3: Um, to be honest, I'm not really quite sure. We kind of went into it a bit blind. Like, we're all just so excited by the idea of the project and putting on a music festival. Like I said like I was a big avid music festival attendee and so were my other partners. like, we'd all loved and enjoyed them from stereosonic to falls to future music festival. Like we'd all gone like park life. We'd gone to all of them and then getting to do our own version on something that we loved going to was just, yeah, something that none of us could walk away from getting involved in.
0: Cool. That's really special to be like, that's all I can see into the future. Yeah. And then let's go for it. Now it's your future. Yeah. Oh, Uh, Cool. So, I mean, another thing that I found, and I would say that this is pretty true to a lot of Australian festivals. Yeah, I'd say the Pigeon Beyond the Valley have this in particular, would be that you attract some really great, like experimentation i would say particularly in people's costumes and in the way they act there's like a really strong sense of humor that carries across all of those festivals is that kind of experimentation and like that sense of humor something that's happened organically is that something that you strive to achieve like i'm talking particularly about like you know people in particular costumes as a major group or you know a lot of doof sticks and whatever else
3: yeah so with um, Beyond the Valley, it's been, that's been an interesting one. I'd say like the first year, a lot of people just went sort of casually dressed. And each year since, like people have dressed up that little more in the last couple of years, there's been doof sticks um, in it. And it's a culture we kind of, we do try and cultivate, you know, we want people to express themselves. And I feel like when people do dress up, they tend to have a bit more fun because they're sort of in costume, you know. It's not like, the exact same as just being dressed um, like in their standard
0: casual clothes. Mm. For sure, I think it's so important Like I remember two in particular um, that I saw at Pitch One was um, on the last day of the first year There was a guy who was walking around with like a tower of pizza boxes Trying to deliver yeah, them and, Just Steve Yeah, just Steve, that was it And then um, and then last year there was like a group of people playing tennis At DJ Tennis on yep, Monday I saw that um, Have you got any favourite costumes?
3: There was, uh, in the second year there was a group of like 15 15- 20 people dressed up as, like, full-on Roman legionnaires. Oh, cool. And, like, the detail that they all went to was just crazy. (laughs) Like, the shields, the ornaments and everything was just awesome. Um, Yeah, that would probably be my favourite. And then also... uh, Year two again, a guy that I know set up um, like a little garden around him and a chair in there a chair in there had a little post box at the front and he just sat in there next to the stage. I saw that guy. It was, yeah. He was <laughs> it gardening was great. the whole time. Yeah, and then he had a couple of friends near him um, dressed as like Picasso doing paintings of people. And, yeah. you know, he, they'd spend like 10 minutes on, like pretending to paint someone and turn around and be a stick figure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so funny. I, yeah, it's just great when people, you know, bring that special little – it, you know, their own little addition to the festival, you know, they bring that little bit of something to it for instead sure. of just taking from it, you know, adding to the experience for mm-hmm. everyone else. Cause it's not like, you know, they're getting anything major out of doing that. It's that they know that other people are going to be entertained by them doing it. And I think that's quite special that people are prepared to sort of give up their time to enhance everyone else's experience. Definitely. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a, a special part of Australian festivals. <laughs> uh, what are some other, like, international festivals that you find really inspiring? Um,
3: Deck Mantle. I really enjoyed going to Deckmantle. Mantle. Um, digital mm. in um, Amsterdam and Barcelona. I've been to both of them. I'm fortunate to be um, friends with uh, one of the owners slash bookers of um, digital and he's um, taken care of me there and it was an amazing experience and the stuff that they do with um making their event a green event is just amazing. Like they really go all out and they think of like such crazy detail. There's a really good video of the um, digital amps and Dam event from last year where they have like overhead, like drone footage of it and the way that it looks from um, from that, uh, vantage point is just insane that they've gone to you know such lengths to make sure that when you're looking down from a drone that it looks like a computer chipboard like Whoa, and you're just really? like, wow someone has really thought this out to wow. go to that length to make sure everything sits around like that to look like that from above it's just, you know next level because it's like who really is going to see that i was no about to say yeah, yeah. exactly but <laughs> they've still gone to that and I, I really appreciate things like that
0: cool such a little detail but something you're like did you ever notice that yeah. no i didn't my <laughs> mind is blown exactly oh that's sick if you could describe Australia's music scene in one word, what do you think it would be and why?
3: Right now, it's definitely, for me, tumultuous. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's really hard for us. Like, we were looking to expand more into New South Wales and with all these extra costs and everything that's coming up with that, it's like, can we afford to take those risks now with those extra costs? And then, um, yeah, like... <laughs> with the, all the like severe weather events that are happening more so every year in Australia, like the risks are just going up and up each year on putting on events. Cause you can sell the tickets beforehand, but you know, who wants to put on an event that ends up getting rained out or anything mm. like that. It's just the worst feeling in the world. We touch wood haven't had that um happen yet so yeah we're very lucky and like i said that first year beyond the valley if we had have had to shut down the event that would have been the end of us if it didn't run yeah. you know refunded everyone's tickets and that would have been it it wouldn't have gone on yeah, Christ. So, some yeah, kind was, of fire yeah. festival situation <laughs> yeah uh, almost
0: dear me and so like with that word tumultuous in mind what does the future of australian music festivals look like to you
3: i think it's still really strong like there's a lot of good operators out there putting on interesting and unique events that are getting picked up by Resident Advisor and, you know, being put in like the top 10 festivals in like that month or even like the year. So, you know, we're definitely doing something right over here and it's getting noticed around the world for the events that we're putting on. I think, you know, it's just, like I said, scary because there's a lot of uncertainty and what costs that you're going to get hit by with the, all the new rules and regulations coming in. So yeah, it's definitely even more so now not for the faint hearted, faint hearted, like you need to really prepare for every outcome. And that's one thing when we do our budgeting is like a lot of the time out we'll, we just budget for the absolute worst case scenario. Um, there's no point, you know, budgeting with like the best case scenario in mind because quite often with festivals, things go, go, things go wrong you need like good good money in your congin- contingency um and yeah it's it's a difficult question to answer
0: yeah i can imagine all right we're back again shout outs this time with tom tom who do you think that we should be following who's cool who are you liking
3: um i think I have already touched on it, but I think it would have to be going back to digital and what they're doing and, you know, making sure that their uh, events aren't leaving a carbon footprint and the lineups that they're booking are just, you know, in terms of that house and techno realm, they're just the best of the best at each one of their locations and, you know, they're always going to like these different countries to open up their next one, you know. Mm. Um, they're in Tel Aviv and Sao Paulo and Barcelona, like their site in Barcelona is just... Unreal! It's underneath like this um solar power plant and it's just such a cool venue. And the same with their Digital Amsterdam site. It's just they're really pushing the boundaries of where they do the events, sort of like we do here in Melbourne with Untitled Group and, you know, go find these unique locations and mm. set them up to do events at. So, um, yeah, what they're doing over there um, across Europe really resonates with me and I love the approach that they take with it. Cool.
0: Check it yeah, out. Definitely. <laughs> And um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who wanted to get into your line of work, what do you think it would be?
3: I think, yeah, the biggest piece of advice is something I've touched on a few times is to not go in it on your own, get together like two, three, even in our case, five people that you can do this with. And you got to make sure that you're really all on the same page with that. Um, Admittedly, like we're not always on the same page with things, but we just come to a simple voting system when we want to make a decision on something and there's always an outcome with five people so yeah. i really recommend having an uneven amount of people either three or five i think is the golden number so mm-hmm. that would be my bit of advice don't go in alone and go in at three or five people
0: <laughs> sweet uh well thanks so much for coming in man i really appreciate it this has been, a, great been chat. a pleasure so there you have it another stellar episode of sneak up Be sure to give Untitled Group a sus over on their socials to keep up to date with everything they're doing and to Secret Garden 2 to remember 11 years of beautiful memories. That's at Untitled Group AU and at Secret Garden Festival. And while you're at it, chuck a follow to Platypus at platypus underscore sneakers and Pedestrian TV at Pedestrian TV. And to stay in the loop on all things sneak up, don't forget to subscribe to the Pedestrian Podcast Network. I'll be back in a fortnight, but till then, keep it sneaky.
2: (laughs) Bye. <laughs>